Oh my gosh, what a joy to be here and, and what a privilege uh, it is for us to come and, and um, to be trusted with actually having something to impart to the church today. And so we, we don't take that lightly. Uh, and we, we love your pastors. I, I don't know Olivia that well, but I know Jason's heart. And after just talking, it was like we were just brothers, you know, like it was amazing. And, and uh, so many of the things we have been on the journey with. And, and I, my prayer today is that we just can encourage your heart because uh, no matter how bad things feel and seem, uh, you serve a big God. You serve a big God and he's been building his church for 2,000 years and nothing is a shock to him, you know, and, and nothing is beyond his capacity of grace. And we've learned that and you're going to hear some of our stories on that today. Um, but it's a joy to be here with so many friends who we know, whether it's uh, marathon swimmers who I've uh, been connected to and uh, done the Rotto stuff and, and or whether it's uh, people who from our church in previous seasons. Uh, it's a joy, or people that we've discipled many, many years ago. You know, it's such a joy to see people growing in their faith, and I just love that. And uh, just also want to honour Ian and Denise Weaver, who are wonderful friends and uh, have done the journey with us for many, many years as fellow pastors in this city, and uh, they are beautiful, amazing-hearted people as well. So love them, and uh, want to honour them as well. Uh, today I want to talk about the heart and I'm, I'm talking about light. I'm talking about um, the idea of having a healthy posture to carry a godly vision. Having a healthy posture to carry a godly vision. And, and it was interesting, I was reading about vision and posture and how they're interconnected. I don't know if we've got any physiotherapists or doctors or scientists here, but I was reading these amazing articles that your sight... Uh, actually has a massive impact on your posture. Um, so if you're short-sighted, you'll tend to hunch and you'll, you know what I mean? It, um, if you're long-sighted, you'll tend to, you know, uh, push back. If, you, if you've got kind of disconnection in your eyes, you'll tend to lean one way or the other. And I can already see from looking around who's, you know, I've got people you know, like this. <laughs> it's so funny when you think about it. And I watch myself in, the, in photos, you know, I think, why is my head always leaning over slightly? What, what is wrong with me? I'm sure I was, I'm sure I had my head straight. Anyone else, don't put your hand up. <laughs> I must have that disconnected thing. I don't know what it is. Anyway, um, Proverbs 29, 18 says, oh, so just one more thing I want to say. We're a part of an amazing move of God uh, uh, in, in the church. You have an amazing church that you are as a community, uh, a thriving, powerful move of God in your own right. And, uh, but you're also part of a bigger family, the Australian Christian Churches. And I want you to know today, as the vice president of our movement, that every church in our state uh, is standing with you, if certainly every pastor, and we are cheering you on as a community. We're with you. We're, we're part of your journey. And, uh, you know, when you hurt, we hurt. Uh, when you celebrate, we celebrate. And, and I just want you to know that because there's something wonderful when you know that you're not doing it alone. You're not. And uh, we are united as one family. And I uh, hope we can continue to express that in many different ways as a movement. 
So today I'm talking about the posture of the heart and having a healthy posture. Proverbs 29.18 says, in simple terms, where there is no vision, King James, let's start with the authentic, right? Let's go hardcore. King James says, where there is no vision, the people perish, all right? The people perish. Um, and, and that's just the first part of Proverbs 29.18. In the message, it says, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. Beautiful words. And if, if, you, look at, if you look at key words in this statement, it, we, I, I emphasize in the first part of this three words, see, stumble themselves. When, if people can't see what God is doing, it's that inability to see that causes us to stumble. And what does stumbling look like? We get caught up in ourselves. We get caught up, we stumble over ourselves. In other words, we get in the way of God and we lose, we lose track. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. When you think about vision, um, vision requires two key elements. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but vision requires eyes that work. I mean, that's deep, isn't it? Eyes that work. If, if I can see, uh, I have vision. But actually, vision requires more than that. Vision requires, see, that's the physical function. But real vision requires an external atmosphere of light. It requires not just your function, but also a right atmosphere. And it's this atmosphere that we sometimes forget that's so important and uh, so necessary in terms of functioning in the right atmosphere, in the atmosphere of light, uh, the, the, the atmosphere whereby our eyes can actually function. If I'm looking, if I'm in the pitch black dark of night, no matter how good my eyes are, even if I have 20-25 vision or something crazy thing, even if my eyes are better than normal, my vision is not clear because I'm in an atmosphere that completely uh, nullifies my capacity. You understand what I'm saying? And so I want to talk about this atmosphere of light and what it actually means, this concept of light in the Bible and what it, what it means to live in light, to experience that. In the Old Testament, light was referred to both metaphorically and naturally. In other words, light was always a reference to the natural light of the sun or the light of day. But light was also a reference to knowledge, insight, revelation. It was a it was a reference to an awakening, an understanding. And you see Psalm 119 where, where the scripture itself talks about the way the word of God impacts us. And it says, the entrance of your words give light. It gives understanding to the simple. In other words, uh, it's because of the word of God, I can re it reveals things conceptually to me that I would not know apart from the insight of this word. There is a force, there is a, a power at work that is awakening me to see and understand and, and to reveal. But in the New Testament, God goes another level on this. He takes it from just being a conceptual idea to a personal uh, concept. To, in, the New, in the Old Testament, it's a principle. In the New Testament, it's actually a person. 
um, in John 8, 12, the famous words of Jesus. He said, then Jesus spoke to them again saying, listen to this, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Think about that statement. I am, that's a big statement from a person, isn't it? That's massive. Hey, every other prophet, every other leader prior to that had pointed away from themselves and said, look to God's word, look to, look to God, look to his knowledge, to his word, to his revelation, to have light. Jesus didn't do that. He said, look to me. He pointed in exactly the opposite. So what it means is light is not just conceptual, it's, it's a relational trust in connection to the person you follow. And so this is why the atmosphere must be understood, not just as the knowledge I pursue, but of the relationships that I develop. Um, probably the most famous book in the New Testament that talks this relational thing, I don't know if you've ever understood this, but the book of 1 John, the, the letter of 1 John to the church, the epistle, not, not the gospel of John, but the first letter of John, half the book is about light. I don't know if you've noticed this, all light, light, light. Then the next half of the book is about love. The first half of the book is trying to position us into this relational context of trust and connection and the second half of the book is talking about how to make it work how to practically outwork this experience of knowing God because the outworking of knowing the light of God to knowing Christ himself is to walk in love towards people to one another to build a community of trust to build a community of authentic relationships where trust is developed. In 1 John 1 verse 7, this is what it says, speaking, thinking of light as a relational uh, concept. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, God's son, cleanses us from all sin think about that for a second walking in the light results in fellowship in a community of trust a community of relationship and connectedness and there is a there is a supernatural work going on to those people and that is that there is a present tense continual cleansing of their life in this risen risen christ community that there is a supernatural grace on them. I'm not trying to work to be good. I'm not trying to, I'm, I'm walking out my salvation, but I'm not trying to prove that I'm good or trying to get cleansed through my own effort. The Bible tells me that when I just simply walk in relationship with Christ, in his light, in this connection and trust with him, that the outcome of that is I will be deeply connected to the family of God. It's a supernatural connection. And in that supernatural connection with one another, those relationships, those encouragements, there is a cleansing of the blood of Christ on me that is present tense continually happening. In other words, when I'm asleep in bed, uh, after a great day in community, I'm being cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Whether I'm with present with my 
uh, family of God or whether I'm, I'm alone at night in my, in my reading my Bible or whatever it is, there is a supernatural grace that is continually at work in me, working through me. And, and it's because of this choice to walk in the posture of the light of God in trust and community with Christ himself. You, you understand what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Um, so First John is inviting us to build authentic relationships around Christ and how not to be tripped up by the struggles and the temptations of worldly living or the temptations of the world. It's an invitation for us to live counterculture to the world and to live exactly in the opposite system built around the risen grace and mercy and power of God. Uh, in 1 John 3.23, in the Passion Translation, which is my favourite translation, I love reading the Passion. Uh, if you haven't read it, you've got to try it. It's amazing. So these are his commands that we continually place our trust in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and that we keep loving one another, trusting God, living in light, right posture, loving one another. Isn't that simple? We, we have so many times that we have experiences and seasons in church where Things happen that come left field and really take us either by surprise or just are like a, a brutal assault to the heart. When Sue and I were young pastors really starting out our journey, we were part of a thriving Pentecostal church in the city of Mandra. And we were probably nearly 30 years ago, probably at, at around uh, 300 people, had 15 connect groups, had a school that we were running, a 24-hour phone counselling service, a crisis care centre for the underprivileged and the kids on the street. It was a crazy revival season and so much going on. And in the middle of that, in the middle of that revival, one of the key personalities, uh, one of our senior pastors, we had two pastors, uh, senior leaders on the, on the church, one of our key senior leaders, uh, got himself into a wrong relationship, into a relationship uh, with another person which wasn't his spouse. And, and uh, just we came back actually from Bible college one week. We were back and he asked me, would you take the church? Now, I'm 24 years of age, had no clue. I had never been an elder, let alone a pastor or anything. I, you know, I just, was, just loved Jesus, was running the youth. And I just, we just love God with all our heart and we just wanted to serve him. And my pastor saying, I think you should take the church. You should take on considering the leadership of the church and I'm ready for you to do that now. Not knowing, <laughs> like I had no clue. And it was a thriving church. I had no clue what was going on in the background. A week later, um, the mud hit the fan in our church and it was just devastating the, the sense of wrestle, trust, trust broken and the, the, the agony of our hearts and the grief we went through. So, so in a sense, you know, some of the context of what you guys are dealing with is a little bit different. But our, I, I want to say to you today, I can understand when things happen that shouldn't happen in a sudden way and it shocks you and it, and it jolts your heart, 
uh, the impact that that can happen, the impact of what can happen with that. And I, I remember standing with my pastor at the airport as he was going back to New Zealand for, for marriage renewal and, and counselling. I was the only leader actually with him who stood there at that airport. I just cried and cried and cried because he'd, he'd kind of been my spiritual dad. He poured his life into me. And in that moment, I just lost confidence. I never lost my faith. But I lost confidence in God. Why do you allow this to happen? How, how does this happen where great leaders, and this, this man who I was serving under was an incredible leader and moved in the spirit more than anyone I knew in that season and taught me how to prophetically uh, uh, minister and how to understand the, the voice of God and all those things. And yet he kind of had lost his way. Now I know, after another 30 years of serving Jesus, that he was actually burnt out. I know, that he, I know now as a minister who's cared for and loved other pastors and sat with them with a broken heart and cried with them and, and walked through the journey of relationship with them when they've struggled and lost their way, I know, I know that many, none of those men and none of those women have started out thinking, I'm going to wreck uh, this situation, I'm going to do something dumb. No minister starts out like that. It's progressive. You find yourself in a situation and then you don't know how to process it well. Maybe because you've allowed yourself to get isolated. I don't actually know what happened to my pastor because he's never, ever really processed that with me. But now after 30 years and doing the journey with so many people who have wrestled in my church and in other situations... I know that, that I have learned that I must have grace and understanding whatever it is, the situation, even when it personally affects me. And, uh, and that did deeply. And, and I had to work through that and to where I went and saw him again and, and loved him. And, and now we are very good friends. He's never returned to the ministry in his situation. He's continued a life outside of the church. But... You know, I've been able to honour him and not hold anything that could have poisoned my spirit. This is, this is the hardest thing, is you feel wounded when, when things happen that you don't expect and shouldn't happen. You feel so wounded, you just, it's hard to get past it. And the reason is because you can't stop thinking about it. You know, why did that happen? Why did that happen? I don't know. I still don't know why that happened. But I do know that in moments like this, it's like God throws everything up in the air again and says hey, I'm going to renew your trust in me. This is an opportunity where everything's no longer uh, set concrete in place and it's not all clear and it's not easy and simple and it's this moment where I want you to reach out to me again and I want you to find me in a brand new way. It's a, it's a moment to fall in love again with the God who you, you got born again under. It's a, it's because God is bigger than any person. He's bigger than, bigger than me. He's bigger than you. He's bigger than any, uh, any person, no matter what stage or, or uh, leadership level they are, God is bigger. And he will build his church and will bring some of the greatest and most beautiful gold out of even the worst scenarios. So let me tell you now, 
after 30 years, many of the people who were in that church are still serving Christ and are now leaders in probably four or five of the main churches around the city. And they have caused those churches to thrive. They've partnered. They've become part of that. Sue and I have continued as one of those couples who've continued to grow. And so what was in one church, the seeds of revival, and now in a four or five churches in our city, and there are thousands of people who are serving Jesus and are still growing and God's still building his church and we still get the privilege and the joy of being a part of that. And I, I just want to say that to you today, that you are in something bigger than any person. And I want to encourage you. You have incredible, beautiful pastors here. They're not just leaders, they're pastors. And uh, talking to, to my friend to the other day, talking about this, his burden and his love for the church is beautiful. And that's, that's a place, I think, that is safe and a place you can build relationship and build strength. Uh, and, and I'm so excited about that. So I want to talk now about six things, six postures of the heart that are so important for us to get right if we're going to walk in the light. If posture, if the posture of our heart or being in the light is so important, here's a couple of things I want to talk to us today. Number one, the number one uh, key of being in the light is this concept of transparency don't live it with anything secret don't live a secret life secrecy and and playing games and just hiding things if you've got stuff going on in your heart let god know deal with it with the lord come before him have people in your life who you can do the journey with who you trust and can walk along with you and help you to get through it. Don't, don't live a secret life. Eventually, the, the scripture says, he who covers his sin or she who covers her sin will not prosper. And so God doesn't say that because he wants everyone telling on us our sins or he wants everyone knowing our dirty laundry. That's not the point. The point is that God as your father wants your heart to be free. And when you carry secrets, what's the outcome of that? I lose trust. I become protective. I have to kind of live a double life. I have to wrestle with this. And every one of us, truthfully, has to deal with this in different seasons of our life. There's not one of us who, who doesn't have to wrestle with this if we're honest. So number one, let's make sure we build a posture of transparency. And, and we really work towards actually keeping it. Number two, vulnerability. Vulnerability. Uh, versus defensiveness. If you want a uh, posture that, that keeps your heart fresh, work with a vulnerability. Have a heart that's open and yielded, teachable. Um, be real. Be authentic. Don't try and perform and be what you're not. Number three, the third posture of the heart is a heart that's sacrificial versus self-obsessed. Why do I say that? Because if you're self-obsessed, you'll be full of fear. Fear is the atmosphere when I become self-obsessed. When I, It leads to anxiety. When I, all I can think about is me and what I need and what I want. In the end, I'm, I'm obsessed with anxiety because I'm afraid that I won't get what I need or what I want. And in the end, it robs us of our joy. It completely robs us of our joy. Sacrificial people, if you look at them, they're full of joy because they're continually giving their life away. They're continually pouring out 
to others. They're not afraid of losing because they realize when I pour out, I gain. <laughs> I gain. We have never lost. Sue and I have never missed out when we've poured our life out to others uh, without the sense of we have to get something back because we always do. Because if, if not in that moment, God is our rewarder. He makes sure there, there is nothing happens. The reaping is always present with God when the sowing is constant. And so number three, be selfish. Number four, forgiving. This is a really important posture right now. Make sure that you don't hold any resentment or disappointment. We know how, in our, in our postmodern culture, we know how to call things in such a way that it doesn't look like unforgiveness. We, you know, well, I'm disappointed. No, no, you just can't forgive. It's just like you, you're hurting and you can't forgive. Oh, no, no, it's just disappointment. No, don't, don't write that off and play games with it. That seed in you will grow into maybe cynicism, sarcasm, and in the end it will grow into something that will rob you. Get it out of your system. Get a right posture. You don't want to be hunched over when it comes to the things of the spirit where you can't function properly. You want your posture to be right so you can walk in the purpose of God and heaven's plan. Does that make sense? Forgiving. Forgiving versus being offended. Secrecy is, is darkness, defensiveness, self-obsessed, being offended. All areas, postures of the dark. Number five is a posture of mercy, being merciful. Holding mercy in our heart, not being judgmental. I, I've realised this. I've realised this. But for the grace of God and an amazing wife, who holds me accountable and some beautiful friends, but for the grace of God go I. And, you know, I, I don't know with my pastor, I don't know how he got himself into that scenario. Um, and I wasn't, I wasn't watching him. I wasn't watching and praying for him, actually, to be truthful. I just thought he was awesome and used to love his leadership and would draw on that. But I never, I never prayed for him, never interceded. Uh, didn't know that I should, didn't know that I needed to. And I, I think when judgment gets in your heart, here's what it does. Judgment uh, kind of pushes you apart. It separates you. Whereas mercy draws you together. Mercy draws you together. A community that's healthy and has a healthy posture is a community of mercy because it's that mercy that keeps drawing them towards each other, uh, being willing to be vulnerable, willing to open their hearts together, willing to do the journey, but it's mercy that draws, whereas judgment, uh, because if, if I'm in a community of judgment, I don't feel safe. And why would I open my heart in a place where I'm going to be judged? Christ never did that with me. When Christ comes, he brings me mercy. He took my judgment. And, and I'm not saying that to say, well, no one should have to you know, be accountable. That's not the point. The point is that you are not the judge. I'm not the judge. And, and I had to get off the judgment seat with my senior pastor. I had to do that. And I had to just start to find God afresh and, and look to him as to how he wanted to work through this. And... and we went through that 
with many of our people and some people moved on, some stayed. But it was a difficult season where exactly what you're doing today, we had to go back to prayer and fasting. We had to come to basics. We had to find God again. And uh, we had to actually expect joy. Uh, it was one thing I just want to encourage you. You have a beautiful, there's an amazing atmosphere of God's presence here. You know, what you're going through is pretty tough, but I'm telling you now, the presence of God in the room is something that a lot of churches would bust their right arm for. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. God's presence here is wonderful. S -s Receive that. Allow that to continue to grow. Don't underestimate it because it's him who's here with you. <laughs> uh, number six, and here's the last thought, is being moldable. Moldable versus being hardened. Six postures that allow us to walk in the light. We have eyes to see, but we live in an atmosphere of light. And it's these postures, when they're, when they're functioning within us, they actually allow us to keep on growing, keep on loving God and keep on loving people. Let me ask you right now, with those postures, how are you travelling? Are you living transparently? Are you you living with a vulnerability of heart and, and not being defensive? Are you sacrificial with the people that God brings into your world? Do you wrestle with forgiveness? Are you walking through that, practising mercy and is your heart mouldable? In Proverbs 4.23, in the New American Standard Bible, it says, watch out Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. NIV says, above all, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. The Common English Bible says, more than anything else, guard and protect your mind and your thoughts. And so we need to guard, we need to pay attention to our heart and the posture so that we can not only have eyes that see, but we can walk in an atmosphere of light that allows us to carry the vision that God designed for us. That's true both for you personally, in your marriage, in your relationship, and it's true but also in the corporate community that you're part of here, that it's Christ's desire, it's Christ's desire for us to see clearly. We, we serve a risen Christ. In, in, in fact, it's my belief that none, once you know the Saviour, once your eyes are opened, you have eyes that have been made whole. You've got 20-20 you've got vision. But we have the freedom to choose the posture that we live in and the light we live in. And so God invites us to be people of light, people who are connected to one another, people who are willing to live counterculture to the world and demonstrate what the love of God is in a human form as a living community. For me and, and for my wife, today, we, in August of last year, we resigned. Someone said we retired. I hate that word. We didn't retire. I don't know where they got that from. But we resigned from our pastoral role at Kingdom City. And, and we, we love Kingdom City. We're a part of that church. We're still connected there as, as members of the church. But we birthed out a new ministry called Life in Relationship. And here's the crazy thing. If I think about why, why we have such a driving passion 
for the church and for relationships, kingdom relationships, and why we want to help couples and, and speak life into marriages and strengthen families. Why is that? It's because 30 years ago, we had a senior pastor who lost his way and burned out and lost everything. And the pain of that experience has embedded in us such a seed of desire through God's grace that we're determined we are going to make a difference. We, we may not be in this moment leading a church, but we're passionate to invest in the heart of the community of faith. Whatever tag it wears, whatever name, whatever denomination, whatever, whatever even traditional kind of <laughs> uh, sacramentally based kind of churches, we don't care. We want to go and speak the life of the risen Jesus into their heart and help them to live successful, dynamic kingdom lifestyles that changes the world. And, and I believe that no matter what we're facing, we have that power right now. Sometimes bad things happen to good people. But let me tell you this, it's the good people who can take hold of that and receive from God the grace they need that will change them in the future. Will change them in the future. In fact, many of us have probably stories when right now we're doing things, we're empowered right now because of things that happened in the past that weren't ideal and yet it's become now an engine. What was pain for me in those early years, my prayer is that it's gain for hundreds and hundreds of people in these days that we're in right now. And my prayer for you is that this moment of pain, this season of wrestle, and maybe our worship leader could just come. Um, I don't know where he is. There he is. Okay. Just come. And in this season of pain, and I'm not trying to, you know, uh, bring correction or any other thing or, or some sort of any direction what I'm really trying to do is minister to your heart so that you can have a security and a confidence of the grace of God right now in your life that you have what it takes to live for Jesus and that we as a church have what it takes right now to move into the next season and move with power and authority but also humility and grace that we actually become better from this moment. What, what happens, actually, this is producing us, producing in us a fervent desire, a deeper desire to, to depend on Christ and to know the love of God and to manifest His care and His forgiveness and, and that, that never will be, be a community of judgment because we understand what it's like ourselves to wrestle with struggles and with pain.